name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May the Lord bestow upon us his grace and his blessing now and ever into the ages of all ages, amen. <clears throat> I wanted actually to continue the last point of the sermon, but to spread it out more uh, during this time. Because there's something that's unique that happens, uh, just for you, when God speaks to us and gives us his will, is that when God reveals his will to us, the most important part, and actually the first part of it, is revealing himself to us. And so the revelation of God's will is a revelation of God himself. And that's why when he calls Moses, after he tells him who he is and what he was designed for, he reveals and he tells him who he is, that he was the God of the living. <coughs> and this is the work, not just that we have here in this life, but in eternal life. Because what we will do after we leave all of the decisions that we make here and all of the work that we established or God established through us and all of the things that we have accomplished is that we will continue to know Him and we will never reach the end of knowing God. And actually the discovery of a self of who we are is, the, is a discovery of God. And the two are always go together. That's why some people they say, you know, theology is not for theologians. Theology are for those who worship God. Because to understand God is to understand who we are and what we're doing here. <clears throat> there are different ways that God reveals himself to us. St. Athanasius, one of your patron saints. He says there are four ways, main ways. One of them, which is within us. And we spoke about that earlier. The other one is to look at the world. There are people who don't have the Bible or the scripture or even much self-examination or self-discovery. But even by looking at the beauty of the creation, they may find God outside. The third is the Law and the Prophets. We'll go through those a little bit. And finally, the Incarnation. Um, these four points he didn't invent, actually, from his father, St. Anthony, who said, the same this, who said this in one of his letters, whoever knows what is written in the Bible knows God, and whoever knows God discerns the work of God <coughs> in creation. And all these things, um, I'll go quick through them, um, is that at first, that God reveals himself from with, within us, when we find out and we discover that we are his creation, because we are made according to his image and his likeness, and we reflect the glory that he has, so we can find him and understand him by understanding us and going deep within, because he is, if our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, he is dwelling in us and working in us. So we don't have to go far, just like uh, we said before, St. Augustine said, you don't have to look outside, just look within, because you'll find the treasure and the beauty and all the wisdom that God has waiting uh, for you there. Um, <coughs> the other thing, which is how scripture reveals to us, um, there's a lot that can be said, and I know that uh, many things will not be new, but God reveals himself through, through the scripture. It's not just finding, yes, part of it is finding what God wants for us, want what God wants from us, but also in scripture, the most, as, the, as the most relevant as uh, all of those things, is who God is. Because he himself describes himself as the word. 
you know, there was a period of time when the New Testament was not written. And there was an idea that it shouldn't be written. That they said, because it has to be alive. So they, they, they had the kerygma, they called the, 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 the preaching of the gospel was as important. But because peop there started to be some confusion or people would forget it or they didn't have as much communication, so they didn't know. We will write it down so people will have it. But it's living and it's active. And the, the main means of, of uh, the revelation of God was the spoken, was the spoken means. Um, <clears throat> but I want to go through Moses as, an, as a paradigm or as an, as an example for us. And I touched upon it a little bit. <coughs> but you'll find that Moses has three main revelations in his life. And we just talked briefly about the first one, which was the burning bush. Um, let me go through this. Uh, St. Gregory um, of Nyssa. Uh, he studies, and, and he writes a, a book on... on, on on this and how God works <coughs> with Moses and reveals to himself, uh, reals, reveals himself to him through this. At first, it's in light; it's through the burning bush. The second one is through a cloud, and the third one, which is through the darkness. Someone might ask, "Well, what is this?" Um, well, the first time God reveals to Moses that he's someone calls him by his name and he discovers who he is so he's not he's not he's a somebody the second one he's discovering that he's a nobody <laughs> and the third one that he discovers that he's example for everyone the the revelation of what god had will go through them the first one again it's not it's not uh, strange or unique to you but when the the bush was burning and Moses, he has to turn to look and to see what is God doing. Many people could have just been amazed and wonder, and that's it. But what makes this message clear for Moses is that he said he turned aside and he looked, why is this bush burning or not burning? The fire is there, but the, the branches are not burning. It was um, a gift that God wanted first for us to be amazed by him so that he can reveal to himself to us and reveal who we are uh, through it and so this was a conscience turning point and this was something that was stayed with Moses for his whole life like in all those difficult days he has the burning bush say this is why I'm here this is why I'm doing this this is why the struggle it is not just real becomes relevant and necessary for me to, to be here. The burning bush was necessary for Moses, although not practically, but it had to be for him. And before God calls his people, he gives this gift in a unique way. We're not going to get, we're not going to be in Sinai, we're not going to have sheep that we're going to take care of and then leave them to have, but God will call for us in his unique way. But that's the first way. Well, someone to say, why would we go from that to the cloud? If you look in the chapter 19 of Exodus, so the burning bush is in chapter 3. By the time you get to chapter 19, <coughs> God appears on the mountain with smoke and lightning and fire. 
and the people were trembling and God told Moses, make sure the people do not approach lest they die. How is this related to the, the revelation? And this was God. And the people, uh, <coughs> they, they, were, they said, okay, we will not approach <coughs> lest we die. And God gave them other ways that they would prepare to approach. What Moses understood is that after there's a bright, very clear vision, that sometimes things get a little bit cloudy. And sometimes, although we know God is present, that the light begins to be a little bit hard to see. And that we realize there's a gap between us and God, even though he showed and he revealed himself to us. The days that Moses was serving after chapter 3, you can see <laughs> in the cries of the people and even in the cries of Moses, that it was all a, a test of, of great patience and discovering God's mercy and God's love and all of this to the point that sometimes you know, Moses was had enough. <laughs> he said, these are your people, you deal with your people. I can't deal with them. Just like sometimes the priest says, your people, your people in your church are crying to you. <laughs> but of course, at, while, by doing that, he's offering the people of God, which is what Christ did. Christ is the high priest. He takes all of the people and makes them accepted before God. Because man, out of his sin, should not have been able to approach or even look at God. We had no place. But after the incarnation, not only we have a place, we have the authority to be in the highest place, to be seated on the throne because Christ took our, became man. If, if, if God did not become man, we would, have, we, would not ha we would have promises, but the fulfillment could not be made without that. <clears throat> so this cloud becomes to be even a little bit more dark. In fact, what is called in chapter 20, the thick darkness. After God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and Moses gave to the people, <coughs> it says, now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, the flashings, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and the people saw it and they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. We can accept it from you because you're a man. <laughs> we can't deal with God. And this was a picture of the incarnation. That's why he said we couldn't see God face to face without the incarnation. So Moses here is a picture of what Christ will do. And Moses said, The people do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. The hardest part in this verse is the last, where God was. God is in the thick darkness. Does this make sense? if we see that always God is light and in Him is no darkness at, at all. And St. Timothy says, He dwells in unapproachable light. But why is God here in thick darkness if He is in light and dwells in light? And most of the fathers, most of the time when you read, yes, you're speaking of the light. He gives light to every man, every person who's coming into the world. That's His job. That's why we put 
on the icons, we put candles, and you see their faces, like here, they're shining. It's not like a halo that'll sit above. They're shining candles with the light of God from within. This is what God does for us. But there is a um, very difficult message that I will just share with you briefly. It's not the most uplifting in the beginning. <laughs> to meet God in the thick darkness is a difficult time. That's why it came at the end of Moses' life or towards the end of his service. <clears throat> and St. Gregory, he um, writes a lot about this. And this was the last book that he wrote. That there's something about God appearing to us in the difficult times, in the very, where there, you know, thick darkness, there's no light. <laughs> and you can barely walk, if you've been in the deep wilderness or other places, or even sometimes when the power, everything goes out, you, can, you, you can't see <coughs> anything. But, but St. Gregory said he boldly approached the very darkness itself and entered the invisible things where he was no longer seen by those watching. Nobody could see him and he could see no one else. But why did he go? Because of the presence of God. Now, I'll only touch on it um, a little bit. Um, the more the mind advances, and by ever-increasing and more perfect application attains to an intellectual comprehension of realities and approaches. I know it's going to be hard to understand. He is a very... Uh, when he tasted the darkness himself, St. Gregory, he wanted to share it with others. And um, part of it is the darkness of trials. When the disciples said, Save us, O Lord, we are perishing, and the Lord was asleep, and the second time they couldn't find him at all. On the, he was not there. He was on the land. It was a very hard time. But it's the hard time that made them, right, the fishers of men. And, and the same thing that the, the bride says in the Song of Songs, By night on my bed I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. There is a test or a trial, or an experience that we can call the dark night of the soul. It's one of the um, Catholic saints in the 16th century wrote about it. Uh, it's not a very popular book in the East, <laughs> because there's a little bit of a different experience in the East in the desert. But it's a very powerful message that even if you've read, I think recently they spoke about Mother Teresa who said, if I ever become a saint, I will surely be one of darkness. I will continually be absent from heaven to light the light of those who are in the darkness on earth. She wrote a lot about this, and people tried to even say that she doubted completely uh, about God. It was a trial, a trial where even one's faith is challenged. But because the saint endures in the darkness and shines in, in the darkness. It is the time where someone does not, f does not know where God is, but that He is. He doesn't know what the solution is, but that there is a solution. He doesn't know where to go, but He knows that God wants Him to move, or to stay, or to work. It's, it's a time where we don't have answers, but we have just promises. And the, and the saint is the one that clings to the promise in the midst of the thick darkness and wants nothing else but the presence of God because that's the only thing we have to cling to. 
He had nothing else to do in the darkness. He already received the commandments for the people. There was, there was nothing else that he, he had already was going to go to Pharaoh. It was the time for him and God alone. And it was a time where he knew that there was no one else to be there. Isaac the Syrian, one of the great saints, and he was a great ascetic, he lived <coughs> in, in, the, in the deep wilderness. There are some you know, monks, they live in the monasteries, and there are some that live their time in the deep wilderness. And he wrote a lot for those who want to go very deep. And he spoke about this. And he calls it <coughs> a period of abandonment, when it's one of the highest stages. And that's why if you've experienced this, or it will experience, you be comforted from these words that it is a trial for the greatest of the Christians, not for the weakest. Because God, He knows what we can take, and when we reach the point where we say, I can't take no more, <laughs> I can't do it, I don't know why, and we find it almost solved, or the solution coming quickly. But it's for those, like uh, Isaac who says, periods of abandonment and spiritual decay <coughs> are necessary for a person so that he may realize his helplessness and dependence on God. There's also, uh, he wrote a lot about this, so I'll just point you to um, <coughs> some of his works. The early, the, the new monks were not allowed to read Isaac the Syrian. They might confuse uh, them and they would try to do uh, spiritual gymnastics beyond their ability. But there, this part, at least when you read Isaac the Syrian, you look for these, th this uh, part, especially if you're going through this period. Uh, one time I was uh, in a church and I just hinted to it, and one of the gr girls came after and said, how come we don't speak about this? This is very important. I went through, go through sometimes years of this darkness, and you think that you're the, the only one or there's something wrong with you, and that um, there's something wrong with my faith, or the promises that God hasn't fulfilled for me, but it's actually the opposite. Yes, it's a period of time, and we will get through it. Thank God when I, when I saw she was out of it. She was out of the light. But the job after leaving the darkness is to what? To be a light for others who may experience the darkness. But the true experience of the darkness is done alone. So the person feels alone even with married kids, family, and, and many friends. But there's an experience deep within <coughs> that may be alone. There's many in the Old Testament. I just put some of them. <coughs> Job was one of the first, where even his friends, they were off to the side. And no one could explain Job's experience to him except God himself. That's why God comes in chapter 38 at the end and explains for a few chapters to Job what's going on. Because nobody else could explain it for him. And no one else could comfort him. Even not wife, not his children were no more. No, no one else. Um, and uh, many others, but you, you would see that the scripture is full of people who lived through that darkness. That not only it's for those who are not good Christians, no, it's for the saints. Because it makes saints, this period of darkness. Um, <clears throat> that's why God promises us in Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. And there's many passages of Scripture like this that give us that comfort, that rock, that consolation, that light in the darkness. 
And this is when Moses tasted the most intimate relationship with God. That's when Christianity wasn't just theory, not just reading books, not just hearing stories, but living it. And this was his experience. That's why we all have our own experience in this time. And that's why when, when Moses understood this, if he saw darkness, he will run to it. Because that was, became his place of solace. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a negative view. Actually, that's why we call it dazzling darkness. Because, although it's thick, but there is light and there is the presence of God there. St. Anthony experienced this early on in his life, when you read his life of Anthony, <coughs> which by itself converted many people. But there is a time when he was left almost for dead uh, because the enemy attacked him physically. And he was wondering what happened. After that he prayed to God, he found a light coming and all of his wounds uh, were healed. So he asked God, where were you? <laughs> and God told him at that point, he said, I stood by to watch you struggle. In one of the other versions, they have many versions, they said, um, when you called me, I came. So he had this experience, but it's like as maybe uh, if you're parents and you watch your children are playing a game. And they're, they may be losing and failing miserably, but it brings you joy to see their struggle. And they may look over at you and you at them in the midst of this. This is what happens with God, especially in the thick darkness. Because we are struggling alone and we feel that there might not be hope or help, sorry, that not be help from God. We know what it is, it feels for God to help us and carry us through a tribulation. But in this time with St. Anthony, he, at one point, like the, the animals were around him and they're snarling and trying to approach. And he said, I'm not afraid. If you want to attack, attack. If you don't want to attack, don't attack. But you're wasting my time. I have prayers to do. <laughs> so, so they couldn't move, he said, because you have no authority. God has to give you authority. You're stronger than me. I'm just a human being. Yes, you, with one strike, you could. But he understood the power of God at that point. And when he was left for almost dead, he also understood at that point, he tasted greater of God's presence when he was in the left or almost dead than the other type. But they, they both manifest God's power and God's presence for us. But, <clears throat> but this, is, um, this is an experience that we might go through. Now if you lead a little further on, a few chapters more, you'll find what was the gift of that dazzling darkness. You see the picture. You know. It wasn't just that Moses could be with God in the darkness, but he himself began to shine. Moses shined from that thick darkness because he was, when being alone with God and being in that presence with God in the most deep struggle in our life is when God shines most powerfully on us. So that even when he came out to talk to the people, the people were amazed. They said, we, we told you to talk to God because we can't talk to God and we feel like we're going to die. But now when they saw him, it was as if they saw God. It's as if they understood, what, and they were saying, Moses, what were you doing? Which we, we know we heard about God, 
But now you come to us in a form that looks like him. And so he had to cover his face with a veil every time that he went to the people after that point. This is a picture, of course, of the incarnation again. Uh, Moses is, a, is a f one of the big types of Christ because he veiled himself, he clothed himself with the flesh so we could see him and touch him and, and be healed by him so that he could die for us or else he, he couldn't sacrifice for us. But at the same time, it was that intimate life that, that gave it. It was a time where we are <coughs> so weak that it's hard for you to pray, even Isaac the Syrian was saying. Times were difficult to stand up because it needs faith for someone to stand and pray and to say the prayers. So I, said, I don't know if I believe in it. I don't know because someone could doubt God's presence and existence completely in the time of tribulation. But Moses stood and he prayed and he shined. So the lesson that we learned from that is that the darker it gets, the brighter that you shine. And this was the gift that God wanted for us. I'll conclude with a prayer. Pope Shenouda wrote a lot about this too. <coughs> <coughs> when he was writing about the Song of Songs. And he has this prayer. He said, Lord, I do not find anyone to have mercy on me and hold me. You are the one whom I trust, to whom I open my heart and tell all my secrets. I explain to you my weaknesses, and you do not despise them, but have mercy on me. I pour up my tears before you and express my longings. With you, I do not feel lonely, but I feel that your strength supports me. <clears throat> Without you, Lord, I feel empty, and I don't feel that I really exist. My heart is yours. I do not know since when, but I understand that it is always in your hands. What is yours, <clears throat> no one can take away from you. If someone takes it, you will get it back with your love. Yes, Lord, I love you, not because you care for me, but because your care is the result of your great, great love. <clears throat> Grant me, Lord, to love you and to teach, and teach me how to love you. Remove from my heart any other love that contradicts your love till my heart becomes completely for you alone. Glory be to you now and ever, to the ages, all ages. Amen.